0: Domingo, Santana, ooh, I wanna have cocktail, a jack like and go
1: to first place. Check, it, data, and swing and strike Here's Adam's happy. Place.
0: It is
1: Thursday, October 18th. I'm Adam Azer with Scott White on Fantasy Baseball today. Scott, was it a home run?
0: No. uh Yeah, there was a home run. You think so? Not officially, obviously. What would you called? I do believe what would I have called? Uh-huh. Um, home run. Yeah, yeah. I get. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see it in real time, so yeah, I, I didn't have that instant reaction to uh to reference. I think it was but, an
1: out. I think he was over the, I think he was over the wall. I think it you was think an the out. fan
0: was reaching over the wall. I
1: think so. I don't, I don't I know. I mean, exactly. it wasn't
0: egregious if he was. No, it wasn't. I kind of feel like there should be no such thing as fan interference, to be honest. Even if he reaches over the wall and interferes with the player? I mean, if it's, if it's within arm's reach.
1: <laughs> imagine, then, yeah. imagine a guy going back to the wall to make a catch and all of a sudden like, Fans reach over, like pull his arms back or something like that, and you're just like, oh, "That's I cool." I haven't
0: thought this all the way through. Oh, admit, Apparently but, not, but it does seem like if you get close enough, that a fan could reasonably interfere. Um,
1: no, it's a stop. You know, no, this is a terrible Scott White take.
0: I'm trying to think this through on the fly. Terrible. I'm sorry. I think it's a good idea
1: because I because
0: like. It's just, it's not worth having that doubt that, okay, maybe, like, cause, cause I feel like, I feel like you have to, I feel like awarding the home run when it maybe wasn't a home run isn't as bad as taking a home run away that wasn't. Well, the run, thing about this, know?
1: this fly ball is that at least you know that it had a the home run distance. I mean, there's no question that if the fans weren't there and bets weren't there, Altuve's fly well, then that ball, should is all a home that run.
0: should be all that matters. No, because was Betts no was going to ca- Bets
1: was going to catch that ball,
0: right? But once you're in the stands,
1: that's, he that's always been the case. Once you're in the stands, it's you, you know, right? But he wasn't in the stands. That's why it was ruled interference because it well, looked his, like well, the his guy glove was up against several fans. The fan, in my opinion, was reaching over, but it was it was very close.
0: I mean, what's he supposed to do? Lean back? Stay
1: more vertical? <laughs>
0: We cross the plane. See, this, is, this is why I don't think there should be any such thing as fan interference. Like it's one thing if you got like a line of fans lined up and they're holding one. There's like a line holding each one holding the guy in front of them, and a, and the the front guy's holding a guy's shirt, and he's leaning over so that his thighs are on the wall, and he's trying to interfere <laughs> with the player. Like overt, that's one thing. But like no, this is. It, oh man. The ball was in the fans territory. The glove was in the fans territory.
1: I don't think so. I think it was still in the field of play. That's, that's why it was fan interference. Honestly, if he were like two inches a little bit deeper, if he had let that ball travel a little bit more, it's a home run. But I, I think he, I think he reached over a little bit. But Scott, this is just a terrible Scott White take. I'm sad that Chris isn't here to 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 back me up about how bad the there great. should be no fan interference.
0: Participation—that's a way to get people out to the ballpark.
1: I ge- i guess it would make those seats very expensive. Also, everybody yeah. would want yeah. that. Yeah. Great Revenue. for ticket sales. Uh, all right, Scott. Uh, let's see what we're talking about on today's show here on the 18th of October. So, just want to talk about a few postseason notes. Some of the aces that have thrown in this postseason that. I think I'm just being very negative about. And uh, I want to share that negativity with everybody. feel like today's a good day to be negative. Uh, Going to read some emails at cbsi.com. Didi Gregorius with his Tommy John surgery. Matt Chapman had thumb surgery. And we'll talk about that. Scott White's 13 through 24. As we talked about round one in Scott White's 2019, you know, early top 24. Now we'll look at round two and who will be worse. And who will be better next year for the A's and the Cubs, two teams that were eliminated in the wild card game. So let's do, uh, I'm a little nervous about some of these postseason pitchers. First, a note. 15 starting pitchers through 200 innings in 2017. 19 starting pitchers last year through 190 innings. Uh, so 15 through 200, 19 through 190. I guess I, pr- I should probably say it backwards. 19 through 190, and 15 of those went up 200. This year, 23 starting pitchers threw 190, so four more than the previous year. But two fewer reached the 200-inning mark. All in all, it's basically a wash. But still, 200 innings is, is rare. Um mm-hmm. And uh I, as I look at Chris Sale and what he's doing in this postseason, illness aside, I look at Clayton Kershaw. And even Corey Kluber, I'm nervous, uh, and I don't know if I should be, but the arm injuries for sale, just velocity down, more like two previous seasons, cause his velocity was way up this year. Uh, I guess we can take it case by case, but Kershaw, you know, Kershaw had a great start on Wednesday. 18 swinging strikes, amazing. His previous start, he, he didn't, I don't think he got one swinging strike on a slider, and he's just been kind of disappointing this year. And then Kluber, knee injury, more on him in a second. I'm a little nervous about these guys, Scott. I don't want to monopolize all the time. Uh, should I be nervous about Sale, Kershaw, and Kluber?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, there, are, there are some warning signs for each, sure. They're all three in my top six pitchers still. But the reason Kershaw isn't number one like he's been for what feels like a decade is because he showed some signs of age this year. It wasn't just a DL stint. For the fourth time in five years, it was velocity was down a couple miles per hour. Swinging strike rate was down. K per nine was below nine, uh, and these are not things we've seen from Kershaw before. Uh, he's kind of had to adjust a little for to compensate for uh, having less fastball velocity in his recent postseason start, which was a gem. That was on Wednesday. He yeah. threw his slider more than any other pitch he had 19 swinging strikes in the game which is good of course but it was kind of a Patrick Corbin approach instead of what we've historically seen from Kershaw in the past because the fastball just isn't what it used to be and uh if factor in the expectation he's not going to go 200 innings because of back issues or whatever else and he's he's just outside of the top five for me still an ace but not Clearly not in a class of his own I, I'm
1: not taking him in the first two rounds.
0: Okay, I haven't met the end of the second. But yeah, but
1: yeah. uh Sale. Yeah, Sale's not himself right now. You know, the first start against the Yankees was five and a third. Five innings, two runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. Looks great, but consider... I, I'm pretty sure it was five scoreless innings, and then he couldn't make it through the sixth. And, uh, then his next start against the Astros, he threw an inning in relief against the Yankees and was great. But his next start against the Astros, four innings, two runs, four walks, five strikeouts. He's not himself right now, which is fine. He dealt with some injuries late in the season. He's got the illness now. And again, I'm not going to hold that against him. But I, you know, I am concerned about the, uh, the shoulder injuries late in the year and all the time he missed and the fact that uh, his velocity is down significantly, significantly from what it was earlier this year.
0: Yeah, this one doesn't concern me as much because uh, there are questions about whether the shoulder injury was severe enough to cost him as much time as it did in the first place, or whether the Red Sox just decided to play it ultra cautiously since they were running away—you Uh, you know, had the best record in baseball, were on a record pace for a while there. So, I, I think Sale is clearly the number two pitcher heading into next year. He's not as durable as Max Scherzer, and this isn't the first year he's shown it, but he's as dominant inning for inning. So, I mean, if, if, like, the risks for him, I think, are inherent to all starting pitchers, more or less.
1: Yeah. Fair. And then, uh, I don't know why I'm worried about Kluber. You know, I think I'm, worried, like, he just wasn't as consistent down the stretch last year. After the All-Star break, Kluber had a 310 ERA, and 17 walks to 90 strikeouts and 81 and a third, and 14% swinging strike rate. Absolutely outstanding numbers. But one thing that he had in uh, his 81 and a third were five non-quality starts. And that is actually a big deal for Corey Kluber because this was a guy who may have set a record for most starts allowing three or fewer runs. They weren't necessarily all quality starts, but he was basically a quality start every single time out. Also, if you look at the schedule, it was a, a joke, uh, which was the case for all... Indians pitchers in the second half, basically, but he had one game against the Red Sox. He wasn't very good, and then in the postseason, he got crushed at Houston, and he was really bad in the 2017 postseason. And he comes out, he wins 20 games and has a 2.89 ERA and 222 strikeouts. Uh, so mm. I don't. Yeah, know. he was
0: he was definitely less effective pitcher than yeah. last year. Last year, last year was kind of an outlier for him in terms of effectiveness, in terms of strikeout rate, swinging strike rate, all of that. Uh, he began emphasizing his curveball more than ever last year and and kind of pulled back from that this year. I don't know why. Obviously didn't have the same pitching coach anymore because his pitching coach was now the Mets manager. But he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the extreme bat misser he was in 2017 and that makes him a little more vulnerable. That being said, I mean he's been an ace caliber pitcher for 5 years now basically and His numbers this year were much closer to the other four of those years. So, uh, I mean, he still led the AL in innings for not having as many quality starts. Obviously, 120 games. Whip was below one, had that AL leading walk rate. Uh, there's like, there's so few pitchers who are capable of providing that ace workload. Uh, as you mentioned with that stat at the beginning of this conversation. Mm The fact he's gone 200 plus innings five straight years with, you know, a with quality numbers the rest of the way through, um, there's there's no reason to drop him behind some of the newcomers like Snell, Cole, but you do have you do have him
1: behind uh, Degrom,
0: yeah, right. I do. Yeah.
1: I mean, Degrom was obviously
0: so far beyond even most aces in terms of effectiveness this year and he's been you know he's been an ace caliber pitcher basically since his career started he's awesome. the innings yeah, he's weren't awesome. quite on the level of the 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 klubers and and scherzers of the world but right behind him and i think he took a step into that group this year
1: right i don't think it's gonna be one of the situations where we're paying up for degrom's best year and he's gonna go back to being like a round four caliber pick maybe late round three or something like that i I hope he's in acehood to stay. Um, alright, so, so basically when I look at sale and Kluber and Kershaw and I personally have my concerns, it does make me as likely as I've ever been, more likely than I've ever been to draft Max Scherzer in the first round if I have a late first round pick. I've never, I don't think I've ever drafted a pitcher in the first round and uh look, Scherzer's not without risk. A lot of wear a lot of innings. He was injury he was somewhat of an injury risk going into 2018, ended up being yeah. healthy. But, yeah, I uh, only had him
0: fourth you may remember.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that, but I know he was part of the big 4. Yep. Um but I love him and uh I, I I think he's safer than the others in my opinion and Definitely. Yeah. So I'm more likely to draft him now than I than I ever was. Mr. Yeah, Master, my initial
0: When I went first went through the process of of doing this, projecting these first two rounds, he was my original number five Mm. overall. And then I talked myself out of it. I dropped him to, what did it end up being, eighth?
1: Yeah, I think eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, I'll get your list of one through 12, and we'll review that before we go through 13 through 24. Email of the day is from Matt in Canada, and he says, I'm hoping I can get your opinion. I'm in a keeper league where I can keep one of these three sets of players— For the next 10 years at the same cost. The next 10 years. What is the best trio? Your decision will single-handedly determine my level of fantasy baseball enjoyment or despair for the next decade. Oh, man. Are you ready, Scott? Sure. All right. Matt, just remember, this is the guy who said there should be no such thing as fan interference. Please keep that in mind. Here are your three options. Number one, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is a clear no for me. Uh, Harper, Rizzo, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But maybe okay. Not. Number two, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, and Eloy Jimenez. Okay. Number three, right. Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, and Eloy Jimenez. And I will review them one more time. Number one is Harper, Rizzo, and Vlad. Number two is Betts, Goldschmidt, and Eloy Jimenez. Number three is Jose Ramirez, Machado, and Eloy Jimenez. Determine the next ten years of this man's life. (laughs) Well, I don't
0: think any is glaringly wrong. And
1: Yeah, maybe I was a little too harsh on Bryce, Rizzo, and Vlad.
0: Yeah, I mean Bryce is one of the youngest players here. And Vladimir Guerrero, I'd rather have him than Aloy Jimenez. It's the only one of the trios where you get Vladdy. Uh, I'm leaning toward Ramirez Machado and Aloy Jimenez. Same here. Because they are all prime or pre-prime. Like Goldschmidt is the oldest player here. Rizzo is not that much younger. Uh, so, you know, Betts is the best, obviously, but you don't get Vladimir Guerrero. Like if you got Betts Guer- Guerrero and Vladimir Guerrero, I'm sorry, Betts, Goldschmidt, and Guerrero. Uh I might go with that group, but since it's Bet Goldschmidt, Aloy Jimenez, I think I'm I think I'm leaning toward Ramirez, Machado, and Jimenez.
1: How much better in your mind is is Vladimir Guerrero than Eloy Jimenez?
0: Well, if in a world where Vladimir Guerrero doesn't exist, Aloy Jimenez is the prospect everybody's hyperventilating over going into next year. He is he has a standout at his own right, but Vladimir Guerrero might be the best minor league hitter I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Uh, all right. Let's do some news and notes here. And, Matt, good luck in the next decade. Let us know how it goes. Uh, email us in 2028. Didi Gregorius had Tommy John surgery, and there's no timetable for a return. He might miss half the year. He might miss more. Gregorius did miss some time uh this past season. He played 134 games, finished as the number 8 shortstop in points, number 7 in rodo and has very has had very similar seasons two years in a row. Um you know, 2 268 this year, 287 last year. 335 on base this year, 318 last year, so he walked more this year. 494 slugging this year, 478 last year. So more home runs. He had 27 home runs in 134 games. You know, he's an okay batting average with a lot of home runs and he'll give you some counting stats. Um but he's not gonna be he doesn't need to be drafted, I guess, unless you have a lot of DL spots. And what uh what do you think happens with the Yankees? Anything significant here? Well, he's
0: probably gonna miss about half the year. There's a chance he could return sooner. I mean I feel like Glaber time Glaber Torres' timetable ended up being uh sooner. Shorter than than what they're projecting for Gregorius now. Uh, my guess is they play Torres at shortstop at the start of next year and just fill in at second base for however long they need to before Gregorius comes back. That's my guess.
1: Yeah, and it could could bring back Neil Walker. And, could be. um uh Yeah, the, and there's that. And Matt Chapman had thumb surgery. He's expected to be ready for spring training. Matt Chapman really broke out this year. Does this, uh, do anything to your third base rankings?
0: I mean, you always have to consider it a little harder when a guy's coming off surgery, but I suspect, I suspect we'll be able to gather more evidence next spring and I don't really think it's going to be a problem.
1: Manny Machado does not hustle and he kicks people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's had run ins in the past. I don't know what like i i've i've seen takes from people who are are surprised to to discover this about Manny Machado that he's kind of an agitator.
1: I love that he's like, yeah, I don't run hard. That's just not me. I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't love that, but I I appreciate the honesty, especially when he's going into his free agent year or he's he's a free agent in a, you know, a we, a few weeks. I uh, mean, that I was
0: pretty fun. blatant though kicking uh
1: kicking yeah, Aguilar.
0: Kicking Jesus Aguilar's ankle like that. Yeah, dirty stuff. Yeah, that was that was dirty.
1: I don't like it. And finally, last news item. Just learned this just in. Scott White has never seen the movie Halloween. The original Halloween. I haven't. I haven't. So, I'm thinking about I it. I need you to, I, I need you to see it. Here's why. Cause off the air, in my own head, I was thinking, I love the movie, but it. it's one of my favorites. Does it hold really? up? Love it, Scott. Uh, just clearly a, a trendsetter in the genre and it's amazing. Um, it's not as good as The Exorcist But it's it's great uh, I Uh Does it hold up? I don't think it's scary I don't think it's going to scare anyone now But I still think it's good I still think you'll like it And you have movie opinions and TV opinions That most closely align with mine I trust you very much So I need you to see it and I need you to report back I don't want you to tell me off the air I need you to report back next Thursday on the podcast
0: On the podcast And tell me how you I felt about,
1: about okay. Halloween The original Halloween
0: All right. Well, now I have to watch it this weekend. I have a homework assignment. Yeah,
1: it's not long. I don't think it's only like ninety minutes or something. So okay. Enjoy it. We'll do that. And yeah. And all you have to do is turn on AMC because it's permanently on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then (laughs) watch. That's where I was
1: planning to watch it. Actually, watch Halloween three, and then be thankful that you'll never have to watch a crappier movie again. It's the worst. That is the worst movie of all time.
0: Halloween 3. Halloween 3. I mean, pretty much any time these horror movies have sequels, you can be sure they're not going to be good. Like, to get sequels, the original usually has to be pretty good. But then the sequels themselves.
1: There are some enjoyable Halloweens. I like two. I like four, five, and six enough. Yeah. Then they all get pretty bad. But I'm pretty excited about the one that's coming out this weekend. Uh, I So I'm going to get tickets to see Halloween. I'm not going to have to use the SeatGeek app for that. However, if I do want to go to a game or a concert or comedy or theater, everybody, you know where I'm going. I'm going to the SeatGeek app. And you can save 20 bucks on your first purchase. Use the code FANTASY. When you download the SeatGeek app and you search for your event, use that code FANTASY. And what's nice about the SeatGeek app, you open it up, and it suggests events in your area. So let's see. I have a pretty lame area, Scott. I will open it up right now. Oh, it's it's, suge- it's suggesting some good stuff in the city. Uh, well, there's Vikings at Jets, Elton John. uh Oh, tonight at Madison Square Garden. Holy cow. All right, let's click on it. Let's do a live demo. So uh, now I'm looking at the SeatGeek app for the Elton John concert, and there are big green dots right in the center, right in front of the stage, and they are $427. So I will not be attending uh, using those seats. However... <laughs> Much more affordable if I go into the upper deck. And I'm not going to go to the concert, but this is how it works. This is a very expensive event. It is what it is. But you get these green dots. You click on them. You get great values. SeatGeek makes it really easy to find great tickets, really easy to get to the game or concert or anything, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. And please use the code FANTASY. Next time you need to go to an event, download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use the code FANTASY. Get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. And we have the tickets. All right, Scott White's 13 through 24. 13 is Chris Sale. 14 is Jacob deGrom. I think we should go back. Let me go back and get uh, your top 12 real quick. But um, mm-hmm. 15 is – Which ja- I think – Yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, I think in the column they may be amended slightly from what we discussed on the podcast. So if you're looking at the column, okay. Well, it might be a little different.
1: Here's what we discussed on the podcast last week. Trout, okay. Betts, Jose Ramirez – Lindor, Arenado, Machado, kicks, doesn't run, kicks people, doesn't run it out. Um, JD Martinez 7, Scherzer 8, Bryce Harper, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, and Trey Turner. So here we go with Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Judge. Uh, what's, so what's the difference between Turner, and Aaron Judge, I guess that you would have Sale and Degrom in between number twelve Turner and number fifteen Aaron Judge.
0: I think there's a lot more downside for Judge still. He's mostly put those concerns to rest, uh, but then there's the fact that he missed basically the whole second half with a wrist injury. So there's some, um, you know, some added injury risk in there as well. I mean, they're completely different players. Trey Turner's mostly up that high for roto leagues, where steals are scarce. Home runs aren't as scarce. Obviously, you expect Judge to provide a lot of them, but I still have him going in the second round. I've actually dropped Judge a little. Uh, so he's now the sixth pick in the second round instead of the third pick. Oh, okay. So that was one of the changes I made.
1: I think Judge is almost bus proof in OBP mm. leagues, in OBP leagues.
0: Mm. I think- mean, was he a bus this year? He didn't because, look like it. Until only because of the hurt.
1: injuries. Before yeah. the injury, he had a 947 OPS. So, yeah. and he was on pace for 100 RBIs, 115 runs, and and even 10 steals. Yeah. So no, I, he I'd good. say no. Um, yeah, I, I almost proof an OVP, because what's the concern? The concern is batting average, right? Yeah. He's gonna hit for yeah, power.
0: He's gonna hit for power, for sure.
1: Uh, after Judge, originally, you had Paul Goldschmidt. So who moved ahead of Aaron Judge?
0: Uh, it's more like Go- Judge dropped behind Goldschmidt, Kluber, and Christian Yelich.
1: Okay, so it goes Sale, Gram, Goldschmidt, Kluber, Yelich, Judge. Yes. All right, Sale, DeGrom, Goldschmidt. Very interesting. Uh, he set a career high with 173 strikeouts. We don't like that. He only had seven steals. We don't like that. He's 31 years old. That's fine. Uh, you got it. Terrible start. He batted 198 in his first 48 games, and then he had a 10-24 OPS in his last 110 games. He was totally Goldenschmidt. Um, yeah. But you know what? It's what happened with Edwin Encarnacion a couple years ago, and it just kept getting worse. It does remind me a little bit of Encarnacion. Terrible start to the season. High, career high in strikeouts, that kind of stuff. What do you think about Goldschmidt?
0: Well, one thing that gets overlooked is that entering May, he had a 900 OPS. So it was really just one awful month in May that makes for a lot of the concerning statistics. If we throw it out, which maybe isn't totally fair, but it's clear something was just wrong with him then. Um, he was the normal Paul Goldschmidt, except for the fact he wasn't a base dealer anymore. That's why he's no longer a top 5 player. He's more like a top 15 player because he doesn't run anymore, but I think he's clearly the best at his position and that position happens to be pretty weak.
1: And I, I, the, the, actually the stat that really concerns me is not May, but it's home road. Uh, 238 batting average at home, 12 home runs, 339 batting average with 21 home runs on the road. He got humidored.
0: Yeah, it kind of looks like it. Now, there isn't a lot of consistency among the Diamondbacks in general, those home-away splits, so I don't know if there's really anything to it.
1: Oh, okay. Right, good to know. Um, so then after Goldschmidt, it was Kluber and then Yelich. I know Chris Towers would say you're way too high on Yelich. Yeah. Do you think you're way too high on Yelich? What do you have, him, like 17th overall?
0: Yes, 17th overall for Christian Yelich. Am I way too high on Yellich? I don't think he's going to be as good next year as he was this year. I think if I thought he was going to be as good next year, he'd be a top eight player as opposed to top 20 for me. Um, it's just a question of whether he hits 25 home runs or 35 home runs, I feel like. And he'll probably come closer to 25, but if you're hitting over 300 with close to 20 steals, that's still second-round material.
1: Yeah, and obviously just the ballpark was such a huge help for him. So after Yelich, you have Aaron Judge. I guess I'd probably take Judge over Yelich. But what whatever, dog. Maybe if I didn't get any steals in the first round, take Yelich. Get me, you know, 17, 20 steals, something like that. And, uh all right, to recap round two, it is Sale DeGrom... Goldschmidt, Kluber, Jelich, Judge, and then I'll let you tell me who's next.
0: Justin Verlander.
1: I don't know, I, I was a little concerned about Verlander going into this year because there is a track record of guys pitching into the World Series, throwing a ton of innings and struggling the next year, but he's obviously not a human being. No. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm done being (laughs) worried about Verlander.
0: He is, he's the kind of player that you know, first ballot hall of famer, whenever he does decide to retire, like just a total, um, anomaly for his era in terms of how, how hard he's able to throw, how late in his career. Cause he's going to be 36 on opening day next year. Yeah. I think if there's any concern about Verlander, it's, it's just that, but there's been no slippage in the velocity. He's actually been better than ever since joining the Astros who cheat. Well. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, it's not fair. That's not fair. Um, you have to wonder but how they, all of but these they do, guys. You have get to so much You better. do it's. It's fair. It's you. You reconsider Trevor Bauer's accusations when the smartest guy um, in
1: baseball, smarter than Chris Bowers.
0: Yeah, when something it goes down, like went down uh just the other day with them, which is Apparently. funny because now
1: it's like, well, they didn't do anything wrong. In fact, it might have been the Red Sox who were cheating, but. We know the Red Sox have cheated before. Um, Every team cheats, as we know. Uh, I
0: think that's probably true. Oh, it's
1: uh, yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) The Braves certainly (laughs) aren't clean. No, we had a guy banned for baseball. So (laughs) anyway, um, Justin Verlander. You know, if there were any signs of aging, I'd be more concerned. (laughs) But there are none whatsoever. So I think he's. I think he's as safe as you can expect to find at starting pitcher. And then who? Trevor Story,
1: and then who? Blackman. Charlie Blackman. Yeah. See, Blackman might be a guy that if he's going like nineteenth or twentieth or wherever you have him, twentieth,
0: twentieth. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, twenty-first
0: actually. That might first.
1: That might be a little low for me. Okay. Uh, um, even with a kind of down year, he was a top seven outfielder. It's just a matter of can he hit 320 330 and I think if he does that which he's done in in each of the previous two seasons Blackman hit 291 this year I think if he gets back to 320 then he's the hit counting stats will be a little better and he'll be more like a top five outfielder instead of top seven which which makes a difference when you're talking about now, the he's bat a B player. At, the batted
0: ball profile was basically the same for him this year the strikeouts were up a little bit but the main thing is he just didn't have the usual uh absurdly high Babbitt that you find for a lot of players who play half their games at course field. It was still right. on the high side, but it wasn't where it usually is for him. So that's a good case for him to bounce back. What I'm worried about with Charlie Blackman is he's going to turn 33 next year, which is not young by any position standards. And he was he rated as a he he was one of the worst defenders in baseball this year. The yeah. defensive metrics just plummeted for him. And I worry about those two in conjunction being a pretty clear indicator that you know, father time's catching up to him. Well,
1: uh, you know, you know who this is going to remind me of, right?
0: Andrew McCutcheon? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't a good sign.
1: No, it's not. Why, so why why would I be optimistic about Blackman when I've always been the pessimist about McCutcheon? Probably because he, he did have a really good year. 29 homers, 12 steals, 119 runs. You knew the RBIs were going to go down. The RBIs went down from 104 to 70. Um, and uh he's not a huge walk guy, whereas McCutcheon is. So you're right. I mean those are valid concerns. Obviously the answer to the question why not be concerned about Blackman to McCutcheon is A he had a great year and B he plays a course. But you're right. Those are those are definitely concerning things. He probably needs to move to a corner outfield. You output. know
0: what Charlie Blackman's WAR was according to Baseball Reference this year? A guy who had a 6 WAR last year, which is of course very high. What was it? The, his WAR was 0. 0.8. That's how bad his defense was.
1: <laughs> yeah, that to me is is a flaw in WAR. If I'm being honest, just, I mean, I'm,
0: I'm not sure it isn't, but you know, just comparing the two years side by side, like that's pretty shocking. Yeah, it is. Point eight.
1: Like, I'm sorry, but offense is just more important than defense.
0: I mean, this is still a player I'm talking about 21st overall. So I'm not, I'm not trying to bury the guy clearly, but I think, I think there are valid concerns here.
1: Completely agree. Trevor story. Um, are you convinced he's going to steal bases next year?
0: No. If I was, he'd probably be ahead of Trey Turner for me.
1: Wow. No, See, that, that, this is the biggest, this is obviously the biggest riser in fantasy. This is like a ninth, tenth round pick. I don't even remember Trevor's story. And now we're talking about taking him in the second round and he'd be even higher if you were convinced the steals would be there.
0: Yeah. Well, cause it wasn't just the steals that changed for him. He struck out at a much lower rate.
1: But doesn't Giancarlo that- Stanton sort of give you a little pause with that?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't be con- you can't be sure it's a permanent improvement for him, but uh, I mean, it, it's 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 a possible thirty thirty shortstop playing half his games at Coors Field. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you you you're weighing risks with all of these players, and I think the risk of him snapping back to being a guy who who's on pace for more than 200 strikeouts every year. Um, It's not nothing, but it's not among the biggest risks in this range of players you could draft.
1: Trevor Story was the fourth-best shortstop in points leagues. He was the second-best shortstop in Roto. Story batted 291 with 37 home runs and 27 steals. Drove in 108, scored only 88 runs. That seems kind of low. And... um, well, they did have a pretty bad lineup, I guess. Uh, but, you know, of course. And, uh, he did pretty, you know, he, he wasn't a disaster on the road either. I think it started out that way, but as the year went on, I believe story was, you know, pretty respectable on the road. I'm gonna get to the rest of it in just a second. Just gotta tell you about our second sponsor for today's show, and that would be Hymns, com. And the website to go to is com slash FBT Skin. Right, I'm gonna give it again. Forhims is F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash F-B-T skin. Like fantasy baseball today skin. Why? Because we're getting you skincare products and giving you a really good deal on it. And hims, if you need skincare, uh, hair loss, sexual wellness, this is a one stop shop for men. Forhims.com. Um, but you need to really consider we're, we're getting up there in age. Um Scott and I are in our mid-thirties. That's, that's a crazy thing. I'm in my mid-thirties. That is weird. And yeah, I got the, <laughs> I got some wrinkles popping up. I don't look like I used to. I don't look as young as I. I just saw a picture, you know, Facebook always shows you how old you are because they give you pictures that you took like five years ago. Here's a memory of when you look better. Well, you can change things by going to com slash FBT skin. And getting the Anti-Aging Kit, a custom prescription cream tailored to your skin that can keep your skin looking youthfully smooth by reducing the appearance of wrinkles and fine lines. And it's tretinoin. That's the secret here for uh, for, for hims.com Tretinoin results are backed by science. You can renew and restore skin by increasing collagen, and that is the protein that keeps your skin firm. Uh, it's very easy to use. It takes just seconds to apply. And you don't have to go to a dermatologist. Go, just go to forehymns.com slash fbt skin and check it out. Save 20 bucks off your first month of HIMS anti-aging kit. Uh, 20 bucks off your first month. Lock in those looks now. Get your first month of anti-aging for $20 off. forehymns.com slash fbt skin. Alright, where are we at, Scott? Let's recap, uh, where we're at right now in, in round two.
0: Since you have the All right, list. so round two, Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, Paul Goldschmidt, Corey Kluber, Christian Yelich, Aaron Judge's sixth pick, Justin Verlander, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman. And then we're to pick 10 of the second round, pick 22 overall, and it's Clayton Kershaw.
1: Okay. I guess I need to see who's going in round three it's just for me to say, I'm not taking Clayton Kershaw.
0: Well, let's finish out round two and see if these are players you'd take over, Kershaw.
1: Yeah, I think one of them I I certainly would. The other probably not. Uh so It's Freeman and Benintendi, or Benintendi and Freeman. It,
0: it's actually Freeman and Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, Benintendi okay. got bumped in Later, the revised bro. edition here because <laughs> he was so bad to end the season. It was he he's actually behind Ronald Acuna because the way they finished the season was could was polar opposites. Um, not to speak ill of Benintendi after he made one of the great postseason plays of all time. Are night. you serious? One of the great
1: no. po What is with you in your takes today? That one was of a the great are postseason are play. It was a. It great was a good catch. Play. It
0: was a good catch. In the two seconds that ball was in the air, I changed my mind whether he had it or not like six times.
1: I like, I just uh, so uh, wholeheartedly disagree about the greatness of that play.
0: I mean, even. The angle that he caught it at, how high the ball was, how how low the ball was, how close it was to the ground when he slipped his glove under there. I mean, that's – in a best-case scenario, that's a trap most of the time. But he managed to get his glove under there. And the thing is, because he committed to the dive, if it rolls to the wall – all three runs score, and the game's over.
1: The wall, the wall is is 150 feet away from home plate.
0: Okay, but the like he would have either had to get up or the center fielder no, would have I, had I, to cut across to grab it. And I thought everybody about Everybody was that. on the move because there was two outs, obviously.
1: I thought about that, but i I don't agree because i I think if he didn't get it, it probably just like hits him. The ball wasn't exactly scorched, as I, as I recall. I only saw the replay, but uh, I think I think it like if he doesn't catch it, I think it like hits him and falls in front of him. Um, and the game's probably tied. I mean, it was it pretty
0: hard. It was it pretty hard. Like it, it. It looked hard bat, off the it bat. Was like
1: off the bat, it was like okay. I, it depends I, where
0: the left fielder's position. I gotta see
1: this replay now. Uh. I mean, I know it's. I know Scott's crazy. I know that. You know I'm crazy. But uh, I can gotta, I gotta understand you uh, calling my Ben Ben and Sandy ends game four with incredible catch. That's our headline. Um, take a look at Ben game saving grab. Quote, thought I got a good jump on it. It wasn't hit really hard. <laughs> I thought I could catch it. I timed it up well. Alright, here we go. Sinking line drive. Yeah, that's a, that's, it's a good catch, but it's not. You suck, Scott. Don't even watch <laughs> Halloween. I don't believe wow. a word you say anymore. So re- was... they, they make that catch all the time now.
0: Uh, I haven't seen the catch probability on it but 98% it, i, I this, a split second before he caught it i thought okay it's in it's it's a hit
1: that's the problem you were watching it live i didn't <laughs> i saw it on replay and i realized this is a good catch and this is not this is not my anti red Sox like i said it was uh it was not a, i believe they made the right call on the altuve home run that was not all right so anyway freeman and stanton would i take freeman over kershaw i would would i take stanton over kershaw probably probably because i i do have a lot of kershaw fears okay i'm so, so okay so you know what after all of my bullying uh you you put kurt you could uh you put stanton part of me in your top 24
0: yeah and that's most mostly uh Mostly a legacy thing for Stanton. He doesn't deserve it based on what he did this year, but of course there's what he did in 2017. There's the fact he's been a first rounder for most of his career. Uh, granted, a lot of that time home run power was scarcer than it is today, but even so, I mean, we know, we know there's MVP caliber upside for Stanton and I don't know that that's true for really any of the remaining hitters at this point either. Right. You know, maybe somebody like Acuna has MVP upside, but he's so young and unproven. Javier Baez, I guess is going to come close to winning the NL MVP this year, but with a really low walk rate and reason to believe he totally maxed out his potential this year. Um, yeah, Stan, Stan has the upside that makes him worth draft to get this point still. I'm a little concerned about Freddie Freeman's upside because he kind of went back to being the middling power hitter he was for most of his career than, than the guy we saw the past two years. The guy we saw the past two years was kind of a first round bat on a per game basis. You expect a 300 average and he's, you know, he missed some time with injuries during that stretch, but it was a 30-35 home run pace. He didn't show that kind of power this year.
1: Well, I uh, there are two players that uh that first of all, it's pretty crazy that there are only two first basemen in the top 24. But um that tells you something about baseball now. There are two players that we could talk about now that are not here that had been staples and that would be a couple of Cubs. So let's look at better and worse. Who will be better, who will be worse on the Cubs and the A's, two teams that were eliminated, eliminated in the wild card round. So the uh, the Cubs got a new hitting coach. They fired Chili Davis. And ESPN, you know, had an article about it. And it was interesting. Chili Davis, I guess one of his goals was to get them to hit to all fields. And they did. But they lost a lot of their home run might. And they're going to make that more of a priority now, I believe. More launch angle stuff. So... Baez had a great year, but the Cubs were disappointing. Rizzo was disappointing. Bryant played through his shoulder injury. He was terrible for what you drafted him for. Wilson Contreras was awful. Um I Rizzo and Bryant not being in your first two rounds makes sense. Wouldn't surprise me if they're back there in two thousand nineteen. And Bryant is a guy that I think could just be so much better. Uh it could next be.
0: year. But I don't really know what to think of him because the shoulder issue is kind of vague. It was, it lasted most of the season. Um It's not one of those injuries that I feel confident an off-season rest is going to correct. No, there's a good chance it does. I, I just don't know. I don't know enough about it. And you know, there's also the fact that he didn't hit for as much power as we feel like he should have in 2017 either. He really didn't live up to a first two round pick that year. He just got more benefit of the doubt then than I'm willing to give him now.
1: Okay, and and Rizzo was basically among the most consistent players in baseball, and, mm-hmm. um, I, still, and he I I righted still righted the ship in the second half. Yeah, he I still think did. he's a he's a he's a justifiable second round pick in a points league because his walk to strikeout ratio. 70 walks to 80 strikeouts. I mean, you compare that to Stanton who had 70 walks to 211 strikeouts. Obviously mm-hmm. Stanton has more upside, but I think if you want like a safe player who's not going to kill you, Rizzo's still that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you know, Roto's a little I, harder I, to You could make a
0: case in a points league, especially to take him over Stanton. I think you're giving up some upside there, but right. it's safer.
1: Um, so who do you think's better on the Cubs next year? Who do you think's worse?
0: I'm going to say Rizzo's better because the you know my concerns are greater for Bryant. Oh, you're just you're just saying as the team as a whole who who is yeah, okay. Um so better I have I have Wilson Contreras being better. That's probably the one who's going to gain the most because it's not clear looking at the batter ball profile what went wrong for him. He looked he looked by those measurements Like the same guy, obviously didn't get the same results. I don't know how much his hitting coach had to do with that. Um, You know, it it was it was pretty much all ISO. He lost power. Yeah. Why? I don't know. But bad here. I, it's it's not enough on its own to make me think he's suddenly a lesser hitter.
1: All right, Wilson Contreras. Yeah, I I I basically put every hitter except Javier Baez will be better. And Baez might be worse, but that doesn't mean he'll be bad. It's just, he, uh, he, he probably overachieved. Scott, who's gonna be worse for the Cubs? Baez.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's the only one you could really make a case for here. I, John Lester could continue to sink into the abyss. I think there's a good chance that happens, actually.
1: Oh, I, that was my guy. I think Lester, yeah, I don't even know if it's a bold prediction, but semi-bold prediction. John Lester is not even rosterable next year. He had a one three one whip and a four thirty nine FIP and ended up with a three thirty two ERA. Just what we know about pitching and being a successful pitcher right now, he doesn't do any of it. So uh yeah. he could be a and he's going
0: to and get drafted, right? He won eighteen yes. games with a low ERA, so he's going to get drafted. Uh my hope for him is that he pulls the Cole Hammels and recognizes that he doesn't have quite the stuff he used to. And needs to do something with the secondary stuff. I mean, just, you know, he's obviously been a good pitcher for a long time, so he's used to making adjustments like that. It's just a matter of him having the self-awareness to do it.
1: Alright, let's go to the, uh, to the A's. Who's gonna be better on the A's next year? I had trouble with this one.
0: So better, yeah, better's, better's a tough one. I think you could make a case for a lot of their bullpen pieces because well, specifically, the one I specifically want to focus on is Jerry's Familia. I think he's probably going to sign to be a closer somewhere. He's a free agent, and he was good enough that he'll and with with you know a long enough track record in the role that I think that's what he'll get. This offseason
1: Alright, that's a good call I couldn't find a hitter that I was like, oh, he's going to be better next year They were a team of overachievers They had an awesome year Very exciting stuff Took the league by storm in the second half But you know who did that in 2017, Scott White? The Minnesota Twins And I do worry that they are going to be Twins-like next year
0: They're not going to have Sean Maniah all year That's, that's out, out for 2019 So that that her hurts,
1: hurts. Uh, Um i put that Chris Davis would be worse but this actually was something really interesting to me. I'm thinking like he's not going to hit 48 home runs again uh or drive in 123 and I I don't think he'll drive in 123 runs. He will definitely hit 247, we know that. He's done it 4 years in a row. But um I figured well he, Chris Davis must have had a slightly higher home run to fly ball rate. Does he doesn't hit like five more home runs than he usually does. He actually had a lower home run to fly ball rate, but he hit a lot more fly balls. And if Chris Davis, I know it doesn't seem like a huge deal, but if he goes from 247 and 42 home runs to 247 and 48 home runs with the maybe 10 more RBIs that come with it or the 7 more RBIs, he is two rounds better. Maybe one round better. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but he's better. So that's a little interesting thing there with Chris Davis. Um, who do you think? Here's
0: another interesting thing about Chris Davis. Oh, okay. DH only to begin next year.
1: Then he's worse <laughs> for fantasy, anyway.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, how long will it will it take him to get five games in outfield? Because that's all it takes to pick up eligibility in season, as opposed to the twenty you need to retain it. He played eleven games in outfield this year.
1: Well, then it'll take him half the year.
0: Well, let's <laughs> <that's> assume <laughs> that's assuming it. They play him at the exact same pace they did this year, which mm. I don't. I don't think you can assume. Uh their outfield's interesting because it they ended it with Nick Martini in left field and Ramon Lori Loriano in center, who both perform well enough that you figure they're gonna begin next year in those roles, but neither is a proven commodity or was a particularly highly regarded prospect. There's a chance there's a chance they could be looking to patch up the outfield at some point next year.
1: You got a guy who's gonna be worse on the A's?
0: Jeff Lowry. I think it's a pretty easy call Yeah. Um, He upped his home run total by 9 From the previous year Upped his RBI total by 30 He's going to be a free agent So we don't even know where he's going to play But The improvements he made There's nothing in the batter ball profile to support them really And he's going to be A 35 year old free agent Who You gotta feel like If he gets off to a slow start could just be become a reserve, you know.
1: And this is uh, Jed Lowry. Lowry was the 6th best second baseman in points leagues, 11th best in rotisserie leagues.
0: Now, I do want to point one thing out because if he wants if he if he signs like I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to be like a free agent prize this offseason or anything. I don't think he's going to sign some big deal that really compels the team to keep him keep him in its lineup but you know if he signs with a team who in, that intends to start him and it's one with a good hitters park he hit 19 of his 23 home runs on the road this year obviously oakland's a tough place to hit and it showed up in his numbers
1: oh what if he goes to colorado to replace dj LeMahieu?
0: then i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm not gonna be willing to say he'll be worse next year he'll probably there's a good chance he'll be better
1: all right, let's read some emails to finish the show. baseball at CBSi.com. Here's an email from Scott. Scott says, being a Cheers guy, as I believe you are also, Friends is completely overrated and not funny. Capitalized not. I've tried watching a few episodes, and come on, man, it's bad. I think deep down you know this as well. Uh, false. Friends is very funny. I truly believe that Friends is very funny. Feel good show. Uh, excellent show. I mean it has
0: some legendary moments Legendary What's
1: a legendary friends moment? Pivot Pivot, I don't remember that one You don't
0: remember pivot? I can't hear the word pivot the same way anymore What's pivot? When (laughs) I think it's Chandler and And Monica I think are helping Ross move a sofa Up the stairwell And he's keeps instructing them to pivot To pivot but the, like he like just the way he's saying it he like with increasing desperation, it's it's like pivot, pivot. Oh, oh Ross is saying pivot. that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I can hear that. That's it's pretty it's good. Legendary. Scott's got good impressions. All right, this is from Matthew. Hey, Adam, Scott, and Chris. We took the normal points league CBS scoring, changed a few things. We gave hitters two points for RBIs and two for runs. For pitchers, we swapped quality starts to seven points and wins to four points. Uh, 50 batters hit over 600 points, and only seven pitchers scored over 600 points. People invested more on pitching because of their one-game production rather than their full-week production. Um, because of this, and it's a daily league, so people could stream during the week. Because of this, would you invest more heavily in pitching or hitting? Should we change to a weekly format to prevent spamming or have a pitching limit?
0: I I mean I I prefer I prefer weekly formats for that reason. If I think if you're if it's a points league in particular, um, you yeah. have to you're going to have to legislate pitching some other way. Uh-huh. The, the simplest way is to just do weekly scoring. Oh, but otherwise, man. you're going to have to limit transactions or you're going to have to set start limits or something.
1: Daily points league that is just a big mistake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or you could make weekly pickups. That's, that's one other thing you could do. Instead of having the waiver wire run daily, you only let it run weekly, like, uh, so that, so that, you know, they have to commit to at least an entire roster, to a roster for an entire week. Um, but weekly scoring is a good way to go. I, I don't know that I, I mean, I obviously don't like the changes. I think the standard scoring is the way it is for a reason. But um
1: I prioritize pitching, <laughs> by the way, at least get. Well, one. no,
0: I mean, two RBI and two two points for RBI and two points for runs. That's a big boost for hitters.
1: Uh OK, yes. Um, but if you get a great but it's also going to mean there are more hitters of that are going to score a bunch of runs. But, you know, actually, yeah, I think you're right. So you, you prioritize. OK, steals guys go way down. And yes. the run producers, the Nolan Arenados of the world. I mean, he might be the first pick in the draft.
0: <laughs> I mean, the 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 elite hitters, the ones that you expect to do ninety ninety or better every year in terms of RBI and runs. Mm-hmm. Like they they got to go for even more of a premium than they do in a standard format.
1: This is Alex from the Great White North. Who should I keep and who should I trade? I can keep five, no year limit. Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado, Javi Baez, Jose Altuve, <laughs> Bryce Harper, Max Muncy, Chris Sale, and Edwin Diaz. Keep five. Alright, we're gonna keep Trout, Altuve, and Harper, and Arenado for sure, right? Yes. So keep, keep and, one. And sale. and sale?
0: I think it's, I think it's an easy five. Okay. Trout, Arenado, Altuve, Harper, Sale.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure you're losing anybody that's going to be amazing, except maybe bias,
0: But he's the most questionable of the players who have at least shown elite capability.
1: And from... No name here. No name. Uh, hmm. If his email's good, we'll call him Adam. If his email's crazy and offbeat, we'll call him Scott. 12-team head-to-head <laughs> categories, Keeper League... I can keep up
0: to 10. Your opinion of me has dropped so much this podcast. <laughs> it makes me sad.
1: Pivot, Scott. I can trade. Uh, it's a 12-team head-to-head categories Keeper League, and he can keep up to 10 players. I can trade Ozzie Albies for Clayton Kershaw. Should I do that? I don't have great pitching, and the only pitchers on my team good enough to consider keeping are Tanaka, Flaherty, Clevenger, and Barrios. Pitching, not so bad. Um, this may be my best opportunity to get the ace I'm missing but is the cost of a 28 year 21 year old potential superstar too much for an aging injury prone pitcher would you trade Albies for Kershaw
0: Hmm keeping 10 that's right that's right in the range of you know how little turnover is happening in your league from year to year uh that's right in the range where I'd at least think about not doing this deal. Think about keeping the long term asset over the proven stud. Um but I think I think it's not quite there. Like if you're keeping twenty, then I think you stick with all Albies, Albies. But a twelve team league where you keep ten, I think you're still more or less taking it year to year and Kershaw I would, I would put money on him being the more valuable player next year.
1: Cool, that is Mr. Scott White, and we will talk to you next Thursday. I'm Adam Azer. Everybody, have a great weekend! Hooray for fantasy baseball.